There was no reason for anyone to have guessed that they were made out of calcium. <laughs> they don't look like it. They have weird human proportions, but they're also lumpy. <laughs> And welcome to another episode of Who is My Doctor? Who is my doctor? Who is indeed? Uh, I am your host, Zach Hurst, and I know a lot about Doctor Who. And I'm also your host, Cassie Shima, and I don't know anything. Well, you know a little bit now. You know three episodes worth. I know three episodes worth. And today you're about to learn uh, two more because we're doing our first two-parter. Hooray! Uh, this two-parter, uh, the first episode is called Aliens of London, and the second one is called World War Three. Ooh. Yeah, that sounds ominous. <laughs> I well, hey. But the good news is they've already <laughs> seen the world explode. We've also seen sci-fi ghosts, so I can only imagine what aliens of London into World War Three can mean. I mean, the good news is it looks like they resolve World War Three in a single episode. So that's yeah. gotta be good. But this is our first two-parter. Uh, why don't you try and help me with a little prediction here? Uh-huh. Uh, how do you uh, think... The cast prophecy. Yes. The, the cast prophecy. <laughs> the cast prophecy. The Cassie prophecy. Hey! <laughs> we'll figure out a jingle eventually. You know what? Uh, it, it's fine. How do you think Aliens of London leads into World War III? Uh, well, if I had to guess, it... This feels more invasion-oriented, but on a much bigger scale. Not just plastic monster, not just sci-fi uh, uh, electricity, or no, gas ghosts. Yeah. This, this does feel like the stakes um, got very high very quick, if I had to guess. Or it's, it's a situation where it's does not start as a big deal, feels very manageable, and then somebody doesn't pass a uh, survival check <laughs> and shit starts hitting the fan. If I, that that's my guess is Aliens of the London is very unassuming, but it is, they, they were wrong to doubt. They were wrong to, uh, so you think the aliens seem like they're friendly but then it's revealed that they're not yes okay understood but much like the what was it the gith gaith oh gelth Guth, gelth thank you okay uh, much like the gelth how they were how you know we've seen now that those started off as something that were unassuming and you know were refugees of a intergalactic war and then turned into this like horrifying demonic presence I think that in this case, too, it'll be like, a, oh, they're just waylaid aliens. Okay. They're just living amongst people. We don't need to worry about them. Meanwhile, mischief uh, <laughs> shenanigans are at foot, prompting a, a much bigger deal, which would be the Third World War. Alrighty. So because we're doing a two-parter, I'm going to add one extra. Normally you do two, but I have, I have three in mind for this one, including the one that you just did. So your first one is that the titular aliens of London are unassuming or sort of like a wolf in sheep's clothing, basically, is how you've described it. I, I think that that is how that is how I will phrase it then. Titular aliens are 
Wolf in sheep's clothes. Gotcha. So the next thing, this particular two-parter is specifically satirizing a particular moment in history. Oh, no. Um, so I will remind you, this ca- this episode came out in 2005. <laughs> Man, what happened? And I will help you I will help you narrow it down. It is specifically American history. That no, they're actually satirizing. that makes it harder. Fuck. Okay. Because there's a lot of things that the British like to make fun of America about. Mm-hmm. Specifically the amount of civil wars we like to get into. Yeah. So if I had to take a wild stab, it would be civil war related. So you, so you think the, the American Civil War is what you're pin, is what you're putting the pit in? Well, like that 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 idea, or uh, or Revolutionary War because they're still mad about that. <laughs> Not mad, but you know they re in reality they have the high ground now. We, we might have been wrong about no, that. No, they're turf island. They don't need to like we ha- we have a turf issue here, but not in the same way that the UK does. So, it, how significant is this moment in history? Uh, incredibly significant. Okay, so I'm gonna bank on. Especially to America, like it mattered across the world, but especially to America. And this is specifically the writer is sort of satirizing. And I, I don't necessarily satirizing, but is using uh, almost a metaphor <laughs> to discuss this particular point in history from the from a British point of view. Ah, okay. You know what? No, I think I figured it out. Okay. Because the second episode is World War Three. What is another very significant world war? Two. So I think this is... <laughs> yeah, you've got two options for very significant world wars. <laughs> um, if I... Okay. I think it is satirizing America's non-involvement in World War II until Pearl Harbor. Okay. So so I think it's it's that. It that's is... a, I think that's a fair guess. Now, I also want to preface this with, I'm not trying to make a joke of World War II whatsoever. However, I do still, I, I do like that America went, uh-uh, for so long. And then went, you know what we're going to do? We're going to build a bomb. We're going to make a big old bomb. Is it, does it have to do with the nuclear bomb? <laughs> All right. And then the third thing. Yes. Is the titular Aliens of London when this <laughs> episode first dropped. Yeah. The critical response to the episode was that the aliens felt like they were meant for children. Okay. And I want you to guess why that is. <sighs> the original thought I had is that they strike the same chord as aliens in the 1960s. Like when you look at that retro futuristic where they're just kind of hokey or like a there's a B-52 song called Planet Claire and everything in it is just, you know, Planet Claire has pink air. No one ever lives there. No one ever dies either. Like, it's it's just very, like, ostentatious and unbelievable. So my, my thought is that these aliens are just kind of cheesy, maybe. Okay, so che- cheesy in, like, a 60s B-movie kind of cheesy. Yes? Okay. Question? I'm just sure to make sure I understand what you're go- what you're getting at here. So, because I I want to make sure I'm coloring. Because well, because I'm fairly. also kind of walking uh, down a hall with no lights on right now, where I am. I have an idea, but I don't know which door it's behind. <laughs> 
So I'm just kind of stumbling around trying to find the door. Running through your mind palace and trying to find... No, there's no palace. It's just a mind hallway. The, the mind shack. Ooh, mind yeah. shack. Mama mind shack. Speaking of the B-52s. Yeah. <laughs> Childish in what way? Can, can you elaborate? So more specifically, it felt like it was maybe a kind of insulting to an adult's intelligence. It was meant... It, they were they have a specific facet of them that were designed seemingly just for children. Okay, if that's the case, I don't think that these aliens are particularly complicated. So you think that you think they're just very simple. They're just very simple-minded. So you think they're very you think they're very They got like, a poo bear mentality they're about two them. They're two two-dimensional. Yes. Uh, okay. Okay. Two-dimensional sort of stagnant alien species that so it feels kind of dumbed down for children. Yeah. Okay, I can or understand. It just kind of feels like when you're proposed, or like thus far, we've seen the world explode, and there's, you know, almost political business intrigue with that, and we're dealing with gas alien refugees from a from a war. So there are some pretty big, big ideas that have already been like shown to us. And so I can imagine that by the fourth episode, you are expecting to have a continuation of very big ideas. And and I can, I am assuming that if you have somebody that's just coming in, pew, pew, (laughs) world domination, kill all humans, pew, pew, that that would feel a little bit like, oh, well, that's... Bender, how'd you get here? Small Bender, pew, pew. (laughs) Alrighty, well, now that we have uh, the cast prophecy locked in, so a so so just to recap, we have that the titular aliens are wolves in wool. The Brits are satirizing America's relationship to World War II, and aliens are just too simple. Okay, with that cast prophecy locked in, uh, let's go ahead and take a look at Aliens of London and World War Three. We will be back right after Aliens of London with a very quick our thoughts process. But then we'll jump right into World War Three after that. Uh, Can't so- promise there will be any thoughts. There might just be sound. There might, ju- might just be jello. There might just be jello for brains. That's all we'll have. Maybe. <laughs> I. You've seen this. I haven't. Who is my doctor is brought to you by BetterHelp. Is your butter too slippy for your baby soft hands? Do you feel challenged by that yellow molten prism? Are you finding it difficult to get a grip on your stick? Well, fear no more. Butterhelp is the newest development in dairy sciences specially engineered to help you get a grasp of your fatty block. Simply put the thing on the thing and you're done. No more mess, no more tears, and no more dairy-dropping fears. Now you can impress all your friends with how well you can hold butter, because you know what they say about butter. Don't drop it. Yeah. You know what? No. No, 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 no. This is stupid. Who's doing this? Who's holding butter in their bare-naked hands? That's so... That's unsanitary. This is awful. Just, ugh, just get, use the paper. Use the paper to hold the butter. Ugh, butter help is a stupid product. <clears throat> butter help. It's a thing. Oleo oh, boy. 
Buy it today. And we are back for a brief moment here, having just finished the first episode, Aliens of London. Uh, Cassie, you got something to say there? 9-11! It had only been four years! <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it was... I mean, to be fair, four years, I sure, feels like a long time in the moment. <laughs> but yeah, it's... <laughs> Yeah, it's 9-11. What was really disturbing to me is that they try to get it twice. They do it once where they have the ship fly past the tower the tower bridge. In case you has, missed it. Which has two towers. It bumps into Bell Tower after that. In case you missed our reference, we're going to have the ship crash into Big Ben. You know, the, like, iconography for London. Yeah, you know, the most iconic tower in London, even more so than the Tower of London. Oh, dip, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> it's only saving grace is that typically there are not people thousands upon thousands of people working in Big Ben. There might be... I. I mean, I remember real quick, but I, but I mean, they're not working in the clock part no, of the I tower. No, I don't think that there's anybody in the clock, like, ever. No, no, not in the tower, Except but Except if you have my Hunchback of Notre Dame fantasies, but... <laughs> but I, uh, if memory serves correctly... <laughs> the uh, peg leg of London, of Big Ben. So, yes, it is, it is a clock for the whole city. It also is attached to the Palace of Westminster, which is where Parliament meets, so it's effectively like, in addition to it hitting the two towers, it also hit Congress. It also hit the World Trade Center. Yeah. Ah! You really feel like, I mean, I, I can't, I don't know if 2005 was just a different time, but you really feel like there would be a way bigger panic if a spaceship nearly blew up all of Parliament. When this takes place is supposed to be ambiguous, it seems. We know it's 2005, but... Uh, so, technically speaking, now it's 2006. And they there actually is, uh, on the wanted po on the missing posters for Rose... Oh, there is a date. Yeah. They okay, I don't know this, I, I didn't catch the specific date, but I know that it says that she went missing in 2005. Okay. So, okay. they know... So, it is definitively, this episode is taking place in 2006 because she's been missing for a year. Copy. That makes sense. So, uh, the other thing is that you guessed that they were very simple aliens. Uh, I aliens are just too simple. I suppose that is true. The thing I was specifically going for is that their entire existence is centered around a fart joke. Hey, Zach, how would have I ever have guessed that? I didn't really expect you to, but it was a fun game to play. How? Also, I'm actually, I'm still going to give you the point because they are a really they they do have a really simplistic goal so like even, what we do every night pinky <laughs> try to take over the world well because it's that's them that's the aliens <laughs> well it really feels like someone wrote down the line would you mind not farting while i'm saving the world and they reverse engineered the plot from there excuse me do you mind not farting while i'm saving the world would you rather silent but deadly <sighs> i suppose the Farting makes sense because they are significantly bigger than their human hosts. Yeah, the 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 idea they call it like the gas exchange, which I assume is them referring to like the gas pockets in their body letting loose as they shift around inside their human suits. That being said, I don't know if that's the case, but that's the way I've justified it to myself. It is dumb. Yeah, it's not good. I'm not a fan of it. 
Um, it is stupid. And on top of that, I don't like their design. They're just kind of dopey looking. Yeah, they look like big dumpy babies. <laughs> yeah. Well, because my thought was like, okay, if they're too simple, maybe they're just going with like a lizard person thing. Because I don't know if you were on this part of YouTube, but when my when my house finally got internet, me, my dad, and my sister were very into looking up videos of people talking about lizard people and alien conspiracy theories, because uh, there was a lot of them. Yeah, there's... And so my thought was like, okay, cool. Perhaps these aliens are just piggybacking off of something that is already very prominent in this time period, which, at least in my house, was lizard people. I mean, they sort of are in the sense that they are, you know, an alien species wearing human skin. An alien species wearing human skin. Did I miss it? Is it clear where they are from? Because... They have not said it yet, but I'll okay. tell you they do say it in the next episode. Okay. But, uh, so overall, Aliens of London... Uh, let's just do it, like, because I don't want to give away too much before we get into the actual, like, overlooking the two-parter together, but how you, how do you, uh, feel about the first part of this two-parter? Oh, <sighs> uh, uh, I said there was gonna be noises. <laughs> uh, yeah, I will, I will be up front oh, with you, this, this is not my favorite two-parter. Ouch. I will say there are, th there are three two-parters this season. This is far and away the worst and i don't mean like oh the other ones are okay i mean the other two fucking great this one sucks this is not a way to really reel people in is it no i, I this feels like pandering and not to the audience that you want to pander to it feels like someone went we need aliens to sell for merchandise you could also argue we need something to get people to start talking about yeah. the show and Sometimes making things look really crappy or having a really bad idea is how you get people to talk about your thing. Cough, cough. The original Sonic design for the live action movie. <laughs> cough, cough. Now, I, I will say, I don't think they were going for a bad idea. I think they were still... No, really? Farting aliens? That doesn't ring to you as a bad idea? Well, I'm I don't think they were doing an intentionally bad idea. I think they were they were really trying to find the voice for the show. Whose idea was it to make the aliens fart? Honestly, this, so these episodes are written by the new showrunner, Russell T. Davies. I have Wh words with you, Russell. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, like I said, it's not great. I do think it's still the show finding its voice. Because keep in mind, this is still only the fourth and fifth care. episode of it's the season. Been, it, it was on before. This show gets <laughs> no leeway. Yeah. So, and, well, there's also something to be said that Russell T. Davies, when he was watching this show growing up, he was a child. So there's a part of him that I'm sure is tied to the show as a child, but the show, but yes, I agree. This is not a great, like, showing. No. Um, no. But, but we'll... This is not the episode you say, oh my God, hey, so I, I've been watching this show on the BBC. Actually, wrong accent. <laughs> So I've been watching this show on the BBC. It's really Dickensian good. Dickensian sweet urchin, what are you doing here? It's really good. You should come over to my house and watch it. The alien's fault, my lord. Hello, E.T. Um, God, there there are some British listeners, I'm sure, who, just, <laughs> who are now plotting our murder. It's okay, because any time... Here's the thing. They will never catch me. <laughs> I'm too because fast. I'm put. I'm Sonic. <laughs> I'm the original Sonic. Look at my teeth. Uh, no, I. I and, and this is a like 
I do apologize, but also I will say the number of times I've had British friends and said, hey, do an American accent, and they whip out something that's supposed to hey sound everybody, like... Hey, everybody, can I get a cheeseburger? Point me into the direction of the Walmarts. <laughs> I so, like chickens and waffles. And uh, having family that's from the South, uh, I choose to not take offense to that because that's exactly how they sound. So... <laughs> I should hope that there is a mutual agreement and understanding there. However, this is not the episode that I would say, hey, come over to my house. I have something to show you. Unless, unless your friend is really into cheese. Yeah. And if you're, if you're somebody who's real into hokey alien garbage... Speaking of, I will. I, I think I'm, diaper I, garbage, baby aliens. I think I'm still going to give you the point for that prediction for the wolf in sheep's clothing because even though that wasn't specifically what it is, it's almost it, shockingly literally what it is. Y- yes, well, because I think even in that regard, and I thank you. I will accept the point. Uh, I will hang it on my wall above my desk so I can look at it every day. Uh, I can't believe I was wrong about World War Two. Yep. I could not have been more To be fair, wrong. there was also a, a bait and switch a little bit with the title being World War Three. Yeah, and you know, I would assume that that was something that, like, wouldn't... I, I feel like the time between great tragedies and when it's okay to start joking about them should be a little bit longer than four years. At least back in ye old days of 2005. <laughs> yeah, in the... Well, because I'm also thinking, like, when you think about trends and comedy and memes specifically, now, shit moves fast. Yeah. Things move way faster now. So I'm trying to think of, like, what's a recent tragedy that people have already started making fun of? COVID. Yeah, COVID is a very good one. I was going to say Ocean Gate, but also, fuck those guys. (laughs) (laughs) We were making fun of that as it was happening. (laughs) But case in point. Stuff like that, we are like we were already making jokes about as it was happening. COVID, we were already making jokes about as it was happening, despite thousands of people dying horrible, nasty, wet deaths. So I think also the difference between those two things is that COVID was a very like slow trauma, and 9/11 was a very like instantaneous. Everyone's like eyes go wide and jaws are dropped and. Like we're everyone's I mean, to be very fair, sad. too, at least from an American standpoint, like that is the day that Merck changed. In a way, yeah. At least that's the day when airports became way harder to get through. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't want to. I don't want us to get too deep into our thoughts before we get to watching that second episode. So why don't we take another little break? Uh, we'll watch episode uh, two of this two-parter, World War Three, and we'll find out. Why it has nothing to do with World War Two? It just has everything to do with dumpy baby and babyans, baby aliens. Oh, I will say they did say that they are the Slitheen. Is what they the Slytherin got it. The Slytherin, yeah. The Slitheen. Yeah, the Slitheen. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that. Slitheen. Ooh, can I make another prophecy for the next one? Sure. They are going to be offshoots of lizard people, <laughs> snake people, Sneeple! Uh, because I'm just going to tell you. No, they're not. No! Uh, so I'm not gonna. So I'm not gonna. I'm not going to give. Wait, or do dock I get a- any more points? Do I have a? To, do I have to make another cast prophecy? Because uh, I don't have anything about World War Three yet. Uh, give me a hint. 
Um, we can just do like one, so that way we keep it at even numbers. Okay, just because I, I, I know about this, so I will it will give you a nice round evenness here. Um, so the Selene can be killed by something in the kitchen. Oh no. It's going to be stupid. It's going to be like a fire extinguisher it or is, something. I mean, it is something in our kitchen, too. I'll tell you that if it narrows it down. It's worrisome to me that we don't have a fire extinguisher in our kitchen. <laughs> we have a fire alarm in the kitchen. We don't have an extinguisher, though. That's dangerous. Uh, Something in our kitchen. A microwave. Okay, so you're putting a pin in microwave? Yeah. All right. They, they are killed by microwaves. All right, so you they are killed by microwaves is her prediction. With that, uh, let us dive in right now to the next episode of this two-parter, World War Three. Oh, my God. No. And we are back for the second time now. I was right about one thing that you forgot <laughs> and you missed i mean you were only te- you you technically brought up a thing they used it was not what i was talking about i was right <laughs> the, about the fire extinguisher <laughs> they do get spray they do get sprayed with a fire extinguisher but it does not defeat them it just sort of confuses them for a minute it does not it, i'm not going to give you the point for that irrespective of that especially I when what i meant was, was pickles correct pickles how was i to know that i was supposed to guess pickles <laughs> You weren't. I was just kind of, I, I mean, to be fair, of the random things you could pick out of a kitchen, I feel like pickles would be kind of high up there. Well, particularly since the reasoning behind it is, albeit a, a little silly. Yeah, they're creatures made of calcium, of living calcium. Because if that was the case, then I would have guessed, like, carbonation. Yeah, I mean, there's... Like I mean, there's soda the, or something like that. I mean, sort of for the same reason. Silliness aside... That that's the only other criticism I have is like they just look like people until they don't and they don't because they're computer. Yeah, then they, they become CGI and we get because some, they have to run fast. Because they, have, they got sprint. <laughs> they, got, they gotta go fast. They gotta go fast and they gotta look around. Yeah, and they and they like lunge their body way forward. Yeah, uh, to give them more of like an animalistic movement, which is kind of neat. I do think that this second episode is way stronger than the first one. Well, because this is all this is all payoff. Yeah. The first the first half is all build up. Yeah, and well, especially because in the second half they lose the farting gimmick. Like there's well, because they they almost justify it, and that was another thing. I will also mention I was correct a second time, because I had made a comment about how I felt bad that the aliens had to be fat people, but it makes sense if they're such big, like. Pe- Big species, like a a big yeah, creature. Yeah, she made, she, she made this comment fit, while we were watching. I, having to fit inside of a human suit, they need a lot of wiggle room. That is exactly the reason why they said. I was just being clear for people who were listening because you didn't say it in, in like a previous recording. You said it to me while we were watching. I am aware, <laughs> but I would like the jury to know I was technically correct a second time. Yes, you were technically correct. The best kind of correct. One where nobody was around to witness it. <laughs> if Cassie makes a prediction and no one's around to hear it, is it really true? Oh my god. Uh, no, that's happened like three times now and we don't have <laughs> we don't have any recording of it, so I can't I can't even back up uh, back up myself. 
Uh, so <sighs> bummer. I, I want to bring up some things that started in the first episode. Um, oh, you mean like the 9-11 references? Go on. <laughs> well, no, actually more specifically was Christopher Eccleston's, the way he's playing the doctor. He delivers a lot of bad news with a very like, I'm trying to ignore how bad this is grin. Um, I mean, that is also a very relatable thing as a, as a painful people pleaser. Yeah. So, I do not like making people angry. Yeah, like the first time I the first time I really like caught on it was when he like ducks in and goes, "It's not twelve hours; it's uh, twelve months. You've been gone a whole year. Sorry." And he got like this big grin on his face. He he has the same energy as the uh, emoticon I like to use with the little shruggy. That's just sorry. Well, there's a there's a very real sense that the doctor is not. Like emotion, like emotionally mature in a way where he can be emotionally honest with people right now. Yeah, and I think part of what what they really show uh, in this one is part of that is due to the fact that he was in a war. Like he sees all the sh- all the soldiers, uh, and like when he comes out, he comes out of that broom closet at one, uh, in the mortuary, and all the soldiers start pointing guns at him. In the immediate, it just seems to be like. Oh well, this is happening. But then, Teehee. Soon- yeah. Teehee, I've been caught. But then, as soon as the scream happens, he shouts out, "Defense pot Delta, come on!" Boom! Boom! Bolts through the middle of them and starts leading a charge down the hallway. So, in this episode, it is established that the Doctor is nine hundred years old. Yes. How long then ago was the war? Do we have like a a since we can now track down like cool? He's nine hundred years old. I don't How know many if they, years for the doctor has it has it been? I don't know if they ever established that, and I think they do that partly because it gives one it gives it an air of mystery, and two having having it not be set in stone means you can say that Christopher Eccleston's doctor was doing things before the show happened, and you can just sort of fit as much as you want in that time period if you don't. Okay. So there's a there's sort of a plot not necessarily a plot necessity but sort of a a meta a metaverse necessity. That we don't need to hard establish the gap between his age. And obviously he's probably not exactly 900 years old either. Well, no, that's so just of... a, that that would be a rounded number for Rose's sake. Yeah. I will say it is fairly recent for him. Don't I was going to say, we can assume, though, that the war happened with this particular doctor. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, that, that certainly is the implication. So, he's, so, you know, he's going through quite a bit. <laughs> I mean, uh, definitely a a bout of uh, PTSD. Especially at the end, you really get a you really get a feel when Rose is you know saying, "Hey, doctor, come up and meet my mom," and his response is basically like, "I'm going to leave in a couple hours. You can come with or not." <laughs> he obviously cares about Rose since the decision boils down to there is a way that we can save the world. We mm-hmm. can stop the aliens but it entails us to blow up this building we're in yeah and that could potentially hurt you and i don't want to hurt you yeah like there's all like he he says like there's always been a way out but the doctor never brought it up which seems to really feel like that to the doctor it was never an option yeah um and it wasn't until jackie harriet jacqueline harriet uh, talking about so the mom so Rose's no, mom is named Jackie. Jackie. The the MP is named Harriet Jones. Harriet Jones. I was sort of close. <laughs> you got Harriet. I I got 
the Harry to be fair, and the she, J. She introduces herself with like five words every time, well, so it's it's hard to it's hard to retain all of that. Uh, but it isn't until she steps up and says, "I am a member of government." Therefore, I am your superior, and as your superior, I say blow up the I am the only building. one here who was elected by anyone to do anything. By the people, for the people. Yeah. Which, like, girl power. <laughs> Fucking go get them, Harriet. <laughs> I loved that. Yeah, Harriet Jones, I think, is the, str- is the real highlight of this episode. Well, because in the beginning, she's just kind of annoying. She's persistent and, and not naggy, but just... She's kind of like a like a dog. Yeah, she's well, she's single minded in an altruistic way. She she's a little bit like Lassie. Mm-hmm. Just shut up. We know you're upset about something. Oh no, Timmy's fallen down the well. That's what she's been telling us the whole time. And it's I so, like I think in a that actress is so good at that part too because I feel like an for a lesser actress would make her kind of annoying, but instead it really just seems like she's trying to do the right thing, but she doesn't have a sense of perspective no to like know to pivot at the right time well because the only reason in the first episode she's extra annoying is because her defense is i had an appointment for today <laughs> i need to speak to the prime minister i had a 315 appointment which I feel like in lesser hands would feel like I need to speak to the manager. Yeah, but in this, it's just a uh, uh, no, 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 no. I play by the rules. I'm here at my appointment time. Yeah. Respect me. Respect my time. Despite okay. the fact that there was just a alien spaceship crash landing into Big Ben and then the Thames. Yeah, like I said, in a lesser hand, I feel like this. I feel like that character would not have worked as well. But it's also worth noting that character was written specifically for her. Okay. Um, and she and she had worked with Russell T Davies before, so she jumped at the chance to do to do the episode. Do you have her um, name, the the actor? Uh, her name is Penelope Wilton. Penelope Wilton, job well done, Madame. <laughs> I just feel bad referring to people as oh the actor. They are people too. I just don't. I don't know all of them offhand. I well, yeah, but you yeah. have it pulled up here. So. Yeah, that is true. There's also quite an arc. There's a nice little arc for Mickey. In the episode, oh, too. you mean Mickey the idiot? Yeah, yeah. M- M- Mickey and or Ricky and or Mickey the idiot, <laughs> uh, where the doctor doesn't like him. He views him very like he kind of rubs his nose down at him for most of the episode until the doctor absolutely needs him. Yeah, until he's lift between a rock and a hard place. And Mickey has to make a really like hard decision because it's not because you know it's hard for Jack. We we know. The whole time that it's hard for Jackie to say something about sending a missile into the building where her daughter is. Yeah. But that's also Mickey's girlfriend. Her vote is no, because it could hurt her daughter. And despite her being kind of a crappy mom or maybe somebody who wasn't ready to be a mom when she became a mom, as indicated by the fact that she and her daughter have a matching wardrobe, as you pointed out. Yeah, they, they she definitely dresses like she wants to be 20 years younger. I will say as much as like I because I, I scoffed at her for for a bit just because peek behind the cast curtain. I know people. I have people in my life who are very similar to that. And I have very little respect for them without naming any names. We will respect their privacy. But I it was in the moment that she said, is this safe for my daughter? Will my daughter be safe? If not, no, we're not doing that. We, I do not want her hurt. Which is 
a very like primal mom thing to do of whatever this thing is that my kid is doing uh uh-uh if it's not safe i do not want them doing it and there's you know speaking back about the doctor be having that like smiling through a lot of bad news it's one time where he keeps a dead serious face as he has to say no yeah he's got he gets an actor moment yeah and i think it's a really nice it's it's especially a really nice contrast after seeing the way he's kind of blown off so many things emotionally well that it's probably something that has been at least subconsciously weighing on his mind well especially since we've seen the doctor now in a couple contexts kind of emulating like an all-powerful being in the sense that as every as every human in the room is being electrocuted via their name baton their name tags he's the only one that is able to pull it off of his body and then shove it into the uh aliens really cool chokers (laughs) but he's the only one that's able to do that and you know we've seen him in other situations run really slow through a fan but by all other accounts he is doing seemingly the impossible except for the moment where he has to make a very difficult decision and in that moment he is human despite all other things pointing in opposite directions and saying that he is not human and he makes it very clear he's not human yeah there's a moment early on in the first episode when they're like catching up on the news through the tv that the doctor has to back away because he's it's too human in there yeah it's too domestic yeah Uh, and he gets upset at rose for bringing her mom and uh mickey into the tardis because uh she's making it domestic in here (laughs) And I, there's a very weird, like I I talk about, I'm talking about him being like this former soldier from a war, a war that we know did not go well. No. (laughs) Um, Because we know that the doctor's planet has burned up and, you know, all of his people with it. So he, so he is a soldier returning home from a war he lost, but he's for, you know, for the first 700 years of his life, give or take, he was known as a hero, and so there's a part of him that I think is trying to get back into being a hero. Like a survivor's guilt type of situation? The, I think that's exactly that. He's trying to fit back into his old job of being a hero while dealing uh-huh. with survivor's guilt. He's just trying to find his new normal. Exactly. Or the settling into the new normal is not what, It's not going the way that he wants because that can never be. Yeah, and I, th- and I think there's a very strong, especially like with the way he kind of treats Rose, where it's like he he really wa- he really cares about her and wants her to be there, but at the same time he doesn't seem to care much about her feelings beyond her being physically safe. He yeah, he likes. <laughs> it reminds me of when people get pets that they are not suited for. Yeah, not that, and I'm not trying to compare Rose to a pet but you know it it does have that same energy of somebody who really loves the idea of ooh, this is a great example somebody who loves the idea of having a dog a very nice fancy hypoallergenic dog so they get a labradoodle but they have no idea how much money it's going to be to take them to the vet i think i talked about labradoodles before on this podcast i think so yeah (laughs) (laughs) i think just last episode last episode even is when you talked about them lol but it's that same principle of like i want this thing because whatever like i need to fill this labradoodle shaped hole in my heart (laughs) not knowing the amount of work that goes into it or people that get 
you know, pet birds because they see videos on the internet or people that get bunny rabbits because they think, or because bunnies are quiet, they don't make a lot of noise. When the reality is, if you have a pet bird, it needs to have a cage that is, you know, as big as a house, basically, with lots of enrichment and you need to feed it fresh fruits and veggies because seeds is not enough. And if you have bunnies, like, you need to make sure that they have lots of room to hop and roam around and, you know, enrichment as well. Like, there's there's a lot of times that get pets like this and you don't know the amount of work that, that goes into it. And I think in this case, you can kind of relate that to the Doctor and Rose as well of he just wants a friend, but he doesn't want any of the emotional baggage that comes with yeah, friendship. I think so, yeah. He... It's he's he's great with this relationship as long as it has no expectations. As long as she can be his buddy and his like, you know, comedic relief and bounce off of him at times. But when things start to get heavy, when things start to get domestic. Yeah. He freezes up and doesn't want anything to do with it. I mean, there's a very like. So almost like man aspect to it where he. He's he's great in this relationship as long as he's the main character. Yes. It's the second that it becomes shared or it's the second that Rose begins to find her footing a little bit more and doesn't need help. Yeah. That he doesn't know what to do. Or quite the opposite, when she does need help and she does need somebody to save her and it's not in a heroic way, but it's in... It's a lesser heroic way. When it's not necessarily that she needs saving, but when she is an obstacle to saving the day. Yes. Because, you know, he wants to save the day. He wants to be the hero, but it's the way to do that sometimes puts the people around you at risk. But I do I do like that we get to see that the Doctor's a flawed character. I think it would be really easy to write this sort of thing where, a doc, where the Doctor is just kind of like smart and right all the time. Well, because we got that in the very first episode mm-hmm. of him being smart and right all the time. And I am happy to see that by the fifth episode, we see that he is not. He is not always right. He's not always a smart ass. He doesn't always have... The solution. Yeah, he doesn't always have an ace up his sleeve. Yeah. That would that's gonna solve everything. Because a lot of people still died. Like the so many people died. (laughs) Including the Prime Minister. That guy's just dead. (laughs) And all those people, the 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 Rexacor of Capalbatorians uh wore in (laughs) wore suits. Would you like to take a stab at saying that, Cassie? I see that look on your face. No. You don't want to say Rexacor of Capalbatorius? I will only say it because I know that this is a bit. (laughs) Because it's funny to have me say words that I cannot read. I'm dyslexic, so reading things for me is hard at times, particularly when they are not common words. If it's letters in a jumble that have never been in a jumble, it is difficult. Case in point, you can refer back to the episode I am on in our friend Tony's podcast about... A certain super monkey show that I legitimately cannot say the name of for the life of me unless I am reading. She's referring it off to the, the uh, show Escape from Vault, the other podcast Escape from Vault Disney, where they watch the show Super Robot Monkey Team Hyperforce Go. Do you need to say that slower, my guy, because people don't have closed captions. <laughs> super Robot Monkey Team Hyperforce Go. Yeah, that one. I. <laughs> So if you would like me to humor you (laughs) and humor our audience, I will sit here and try to stumble my way through 
that word. <laughs> Raxacoracophallopatorius. Can I, may I see Can it? you use that word in a sentence? May I see it spelled out? Country of origin. <laughs> I don't even know how to look it up. I can look it up for you. Okay, so it's at the top of this. Uh... <laughs> Raxacoricophallopatorius. Patatatorius. I did. That's my favorite Pokemon. Okay, no, because the very last part of the word does look like platypus, and my brain can't <laughs> see it. Raxacoricophallopatorius. There you go. You got it. Yay! I mean, in fairness, it is also designed to be an intrinsically stupid word. Oh, yeah. No offense to any Raxacor... Damn it. No hey, offense. you didn't say it right. No offense to any Raxacoricophallopatorians in the hey, audience. just because you can say words fast doesn't make you smarter than anybody else, okay? I didn't think I was smarter. I just genuinely think it's kind of funny to watch people try to pronounce Raxacoricophallopatorius. I'm Zach. I can say Raxacoricophallopatorius very fast. I can say wreck the elephants with the platypus all I want. Uh, Wouldn't it be great if in that moment I just whipped out a perfect pronunciation? I mean, you did you you did a pretty good pronunciation. Rats and cows and platypuses. Although I will say it is phonetic, and I do appreciate when words are phonetic. So we brought up the nine eleven allegory. Oh my goodness! This whole bitty bit. It's not just the plane crashing into a big tower. Yeah, no, no, no. They, they keep bringing up massive weapons of destruction. Ma- not to be confused with Dick Cheney's weapons of mass destruction. Massive weapons of destruction. As opposed to the smaller uh, weapons of annoyance. Yeah, that's that's when you uh, go up behind someone and get a song stuck in their head. Uh, yeah, I've had a song from High School Musical stuck in my head <laughs> all day. I will save everybody the heartache of having to listen to me sing it. Because you're not you're not going to release a small weapon of annoyance here on the podcast. No, never. You, would, you wouldn't would... dare go, with arms wide open. And then they also talk about how, yes, if like as the result of this war we're about to upset, we'll have enough fuel for every ship in the, or every ship well, in the galaxy. Their, their plan is to have the planet nuke itself and basically turn it into a giant piece of coal. Yeah, a giant piece of radioactive, radioactive fuel. Coal. Yeah. Yes. And it's or it's just like it couldn't be more on the nose if it was just like we're going to mine this planet for all the oil it's worth. It's just, uh, it's just like one step short of like a Bush did 9-11 meme to like really encompass all the memes of 9-11. And even then it kind of does that with the sense that the guy who did cause the crash did become prime minister. It just wasn't at the same time. It did give me a little bit of the Ashada. Hmm. Just because it's a little bit too on the nose. Yeah, it was not subtle. It's it's the specificity now of them using alien refugees and alien invaders. Yeah. Where it's like a ha. I get that this is a show about time and space and it would be odd to have a show about like an animal uprising. Yeah. Be that as it may. It's a little uh, off-putting. And you see, that's the thing with the refugee thing. It felt like an accident. 
Like this is a thing in the news when the sh- when the episode aired, but it may not have been so prominent when they were writing and producing it. So by the time that it came out, it just became sour. It was a uh, what whoa. Yeah, versus this that was like we're ta- we're talking about something from a few years ago, and with conflict that is still happening. Yeah, and we're using a not terribly soft metaphor for it. So like the the icing on the cake would have been if the. If the aliens had to be covered in some kind of shroud, that would have been just a little bit too much. I mean, in a sense, they were in the shroud of human skin. Well, yeah, but <laughs> the number of times that they exclaimed how good it would be to be naked. Yeah, that was kind of funny. <laughs> Victory should be naked. How did you feel about the zipper on the foreheads that they had? I hated it. It's so dumb. Well, because then when they take off the whole suits, the zipper goes all around the head. And when they're just taking it off several times, they have the same shot of the the three uh, titular, like, family of aliens very dramatically unzipping just their forehead. Because it's not even like there's a seam or a line around that would make that make more sense. Well, again or even like if there was a thing that they pulled up to their forehead like they like putting this little key against the forehead unlocks the line they'd reveal at one point there's just literally a zipper that you just don't notice sometimes well yeah because for one person it was under their hair but for literally every other it's for all the balding men it's just yeah, like under a the, hat for all of the men that have uh five heads it's just kind of right there. Yeah. Except for when they aren't doing that shot, then the zipper is gone. <laughs> oh, another thing we could bring up, and I'm just curious about your opinion on, the aliens did a, like, the whole situation was a false flag. That's a weird aspect that I don't know if they thought through. That is, I guess that is kind of a Bush did 9-11 thing, where, like, the the ship that crashed into Big Ben was, like, a it was a fake thing that the aliens did to scare humanity. And the alien that they put inside it was not an alien, but a genetically modified pig. A mermaid. <laughs> How did you... Just the little pig running around down the street screaming, it was scared. There's a part of me that in that moment I went, that's kind of clever. But then I also, after sitting here thinking on it, I went, that's kind of dumb. I do like the element of, like, the aliens have been here for a while yeah and there is a very elaborate plans not to invade because they make that very clear why would they want to invade this stupid rock yeah they don't want to invade they want to profit yeah and so there is a part of me that's that was despite the satirization i did like i did like the fact that it wasn't just oh we're here to conquer humanity yeah we want to take over the world because we're still dealing with people like honestly it's it's only gotten worse that people are like we're going to eradicate the earth for money that's just what we're gonna do that's what we're here there's a part of me that's like all right cool capitalism relatable (laughs) space capitalism because i i do get kind of tired of the stories that are constantly constantly we are here on a planet. We're going to take over this planet. We're going to assimilate with the natural beings, and then we're going to kill them. Yeah, Tim Curry would be so upset to find out that ca- that space has been corrupted by capitalism. Ugh, indeed he would. And using... Now, what would have been funny instead of a pig is if they had used an actual red herring. Yeah. Like, that would have been very cheeky. Uh, just a little nitpicky comment. 
I have mixed although it would have been I don't I don't entirely know how you, I guess you could just give a fish feats yeah <sighs> reverse mermaid yeah it's just a very small alien <laughs> instead of a red herring it was a pink hamming I see what you did there nice <laughs> last thing was just at the very end Mickey has sort of like a furtherance of a character like it's not a completion of an arc but it's a furtherance of his character where the doctor you know not just respects him but offers him an to be another companion with him but mickey says no sort of e like he's echoing what he did in the first episode where he also you know didn't want to come but he wasn't allowed to come <laughs> he was specifically not invited but in this one he's like you're invited now and he's like i'm this isn't for me i'm not about this which I, I respect, I do respect that decision. I also really like the fact that Jackie's upset that Rose is leaving. Yeah. And her response to her mom is basically like, if you saw what was out there, you wouldn't stay at home either. Yeah. Which I mean, is... There's, a, there's something connected to astronauts, because astronauts have seen, are the only people who have seen the, the actual planet from a distance. And so, you know, they have a, a sense of perspective about the planet that most human beings don't. And so there's something very true about that for Rose, because Rose literally watched, the, didn't just see the Earth, but saw the Earth explode. Rose has not only seen space, but has traveled through time. I can only imagine that in that situation as well, if you've been able to do both of those things, being told you have to stay here now in this one <laughs> place until you die where you may or may not see this enigmatic, charismatic individual ever again. It, oh my god, wait, Doctor Who is Peter Pan, huh? There is sort of Peter Pan element to him, yeah. There is a Peter Pan I, and I Wendy dynamic of, here. I've never really thought about it that way, but there is, like, because he's, you know, he's 900 years old, but looks like he's 40. Yeah, where it's like, here, you have this opportunity to escape. You can run away, and you can come back if you want, but why would you? Yeah, there's... I mean, I've never really thought about it that way, but there definitely is an element to that. I think it's, I think it's an interesting observation. I'm going to start my own spinoff podcast where I uh, dissect every Doctor Who episode. <laughs> as, a, as an allegory <laughs> for Peter Pan. As an allegory for Peter Pan. <laughs> well, you can do that again on the next episode uh, of Who is My Doctor that we will get to uh, next week. Because I'm honestly really excited for the next episode. Because in my opinion, that's where the show really finds itself. I mean, I would even argue that by the second episode of this particular two-parter, we've we've unpacked a lot. We've been talking for quite some time now. That is true, but it's I mean just, but I don't mean just like it's like it's grasping the characters a lot, but I really think it grasps the pacing and the the tone the show wants to have with okay. the next one. We're um, we're fine. We're we're settling in on characters. So, and also it's just, it's a really good episode. And I say this not just speaking for myself, but when I was looking up, when I was starting this podcast before I, before I decided that we were basically gonna watch all of the episodes, I had looked up what were good places for people to start watching the show in. And the next episode is one of the spots people talk about. So I'm really excited to show that to you. Um, but everyone who's already seen it knows what's up with that. And we will, uh, but we'll talk about that together next time on the next episode of Who Is My Doctor? Who is my doctor? Who is indeed. Goodbye. Goodbye.
another episode down. Feels like only last week we started this adventure together. Oh, right. Well, thanks for sticking with us anyway. I hope you had as much fun as I did. If you did, please tell your friends about it. I've been told recently that this podcast has actually inspired a couple of people to rewatch or even start watching Doctor Who for the first time, and that's incredibly kind. Uh, please be sure to give us a like or five stars or just send us a nice message on social media. You can follow us on Twitter, Blue Sky, Instagram, or threads at WimdyPod. That's W-I-M-D-P-O-D. I'm genuinely very excited to be looking at Dalek next week, so I hope to see you next Tuesday, because Tuesdays are now Whose Days.